it is time to preview the match. And should the Sabres look to improve through free agency? Or should they trade some people away? And we're going to recap a brutal ending to the Amherst season, along with some hot takes, trivia, and more. This is the Buffalonian Podcast. All right, let's go. are back with our 10th episode of the Buffalonian Podcast. I'm Joe Kelly, and as always, I'm joined by Dom Loss and Mike Marino. Guys, 10 episodes. This, you know, I didn't see it going past the first one after that pilot. You know, was, we, we was, got to the double digits. We got to the double digits. We have a trailer out for the Combine. It's live now. YouTube and Instagram, Facebook. Go check it out. But let's get into it. Let's get into the match. Josh Allen, the trash talk has been absolutely unreal the past week. It, I know you're a big fan of that. You're a big trash talk guy. I'm a big guy. trash talk guy. I love when the scumbags are, you know, called out for who they are. Tom Brady's been especially trash talky, in my opinion. I was not expecting that from him. Uh, especially when they had the cardboard cutout of Mike Evans at one of the little TV spots the they chip did. The chip-off. The chip-off. And uh, they said, don't worry, Josh, someone will leave you one day. You know, I just, I knew, I knew listening to that, that it was... Well, I mean, obviously Tom Brady must not be paying attention to the media because Stefan Diggs signed an extension for, and he'll be in the Buffalo Bills uniform hold for the next six years, so I don't know about that. Yeah, I mean, Tom Brady, you're the one going to Fox News, all right? Let's just be real. No one's going to watch your channel because they just despise you in every way, but that's besides the point. The match is tomorrow evening at 6.30. I believe so, yep. Uh, very, very exciting. I think it's going to honestly outdo previous... The matches? Yeah. I, well, this, I, is, this is no... I don't think anyone's tuning in for the golf content. Because no. there's, no, there's no golf, golf like professional golfer in no. it. It's yeah. just about... I it's think everyone's them. tuning in for the trash talk. Four awesome quarterbacks. Probably the top four quarterbacks... Oh, I don't think probably. Probably. The, the, uh, yeah, the yeah. Four, top four quarterbacks in the whole NFL. The old guard versus the new guard. Uh, very exciting stuff. I think, as I said, episode one, Mahomes should just be the caddy. I think Allen can handle it himself. I don't know. He looked pretty brutal in that. It was some of the two uh, bad. Brady and Rodgers in that shipping <laughs> challenge. And Josh, Josh was putting too much of a zip on his. Oh, uh, I see. You know, he, you know, I'm probably a handicap of thirty, but from <laughs> hey, you my know what? It doesn't matter. Josh off the tee. He's gonna he's gonna be like Happy Gilmore. Get it right on the green. Doesn't matter. His job is to hit the bombs, and Patrick Mahomes will be the finesse chipper. Putter. The short short game. game. Yeah, short game guy for sure. No, I mean, I, it's a very exciting moment for all of, you know, even just Buffalo sports. It's a little light at the end of the tunnel, if you will, you know, before football season, get people hyped to watching. I think it's cool that he's headlining, the, he's part of the headline of this main event. Yeah. And that he's now, Josh has now got to that level of being nationally recognized as a superstar quarterback. Speaking of being recognized as a superstar quarterback, do you see those leaked Madden ratings? I, I don't know how Trash. I necessarily... Yeah, yeah, I, it's... Mike is the resident Madden player, so we'll give you the floor yeah, for a little bit. You, you, take no, it away, buddy. I mean, I just don't understand how, you know, Patrick Mahomes is the highest ranked, because he, he was alright last year. I don't think he was Josh Allen ungodly last year, and he's a 99, and yet the guy who's won back-to-back MVPs is a 98. Okay, he shouldn't have won a second MVP. I'm just saying, it's still... No. Still. And even Tom Brady, who should have won MVP, I'm thinking Mahomes should have been like a 96, 97 or something. Oh, the disrespect. Uh, I agree. That's not I disrespectful. I, I, I think uh, the most positive thing I could take away is I think last year Allen was an 88. If I, it was an 88 overall in the drop. So for him to at least now be 95 ahead of Lamar, be the fourth-ranked quarterback, I think that's 
at least some progress. He's only one him. ahead of Lamar Jackson. That's fraudulent. He's three, he's three ahead of him. Well, he's one rank. Ahead. I guess yeah. one. Yeah. Lamar's fifth. He's fourth, but he's three overalls higher. Yeah. I mean, it's just still like I, I think Lamar Jackson should be at the bottom of the list. I don't think he has anything to you know offer other than he's a running back. You line him up behind. That's all you need. Yeah. And Kyler Murray's on that same level, in my opinion, but he was... Kyler Murray's 86 overall. Yeah. That's yeah. the same rank as uh, Deshaun Watson. Who should be a 64 overall, in my opinion, but we're going we're gonna to leave that. What, what do you guys think of uh, St- Stephon Diggs, top five receiver at 96 overall? He's only... Well, he's tied with Justin Jefferson, Tyreek Hill at 96, and then Cooper Cup and Devontae Adams are both 99s. I could... I, I'm fine with that. Yeah, that's about right for me. Because Cooper Cup had a historic season Yeah, last year. Cooper Cup was... And Devontae God-tier. Adams. Devontae Adams is arguably the best receiver in the game. Devontae so. Adams is Devontae Adams. And I feel like he's going to do even better in Vegas. I'm going to be 100% Given honest with him with his Fresno State body, Derek Carr. Yeah. The worst ranking for me right now is Michael Thomas at 8 at 93 overall. When Michael Thomas has played, he's very good, but the man has just not played because of all that ankle injuries. And we have no idea how he's going to perform with Jameis as his quarterback instead of Drew Brees. So, so now they have Olave mm. and Landry. Yeah. So maybe he James loses targets. From Drew Brees. That's a little tough. Obviously, so the leaks so far have just been the quarterbacks, wide receivers, and running backs. Running backs, really nothing to note for the, the Bills, really, because Singletary was the only one listed, and he was 28th. Overall at 80 overall. I mean, for the season he had, really, he showed up at the end, but the first part of the season, it was nothing special. I mean, I feel like that's a pretty decent No, he spot. picked up his game at the end of the year. Yeah, but what about, so. look at uh, a rumored, maybe, Bill, Christian McCaffrey. 95 overall. He's way up he's there. Still, he's still, ru- what? He's fifth. He's only fifth. Rumored? Is he still rumored? I I think that's faded. Fizzled. I was going to say, I was like, I don't know, I don't think I've heard Former anything about rumored. that. Former rumored. Formerly rumored before they drafted James Cook. In the <laughs> yeah, second yeah. Round. Before they drafted the emotionless James Cook. Your new buddy. My new buddy. But let's let's segue to a more, I don't know, serious topic, but the match, man rings. Let's get to a real NFL topic. David Njuku, the tight end for the Cleveland Browns, signed a four-year, over $56 million contract extension, which is over $14 million. Do you guys think this is going to cause a problem for when, obviously, Dawson Knox is a pending free agent? He wants a new deal. Uh, obviously, a new precedent has been set for the tight end market. What do you guys think? Here's the thing. I don't know why the Browns would give that to Njoku when I think he's been underused on that team. Not underused, but he's not like their number one tight end. They have Austin Hooper. Well, they cut him. Oh, they did? Yeah, he's on the Titans oh. now. But the, but wow, I'm, I'm yeah, way behind. I was out of that. I didn't but, know but that this, happened. The thing, I didn't know that but, happened either. But he was good, and then they cut him. I'm sorry, they signed Austin Hooper to that big contract, and then they drafted Harrison Bryant in the third round. So they had, like, three tight ends. I mean, it was kind of pointless. And my big, like, problem for the Bills, it, well, I guess this is, a, oh, and this is a terrible contract for the Browns because his average annual salary is over $14 million, which ranks fourth among tight ends. And let's say this way. He's not the fourth best tight end. No. Uh, Mark Andrews. Who's is he just, even a top 10 to then? No, he's not. D- Dawson Knox's season last year is probably close to his Njoku's best season ever, and that season for Njoku was in 2018. Yeah, so. I, I think Dawson Knox, I don't I don't really worry about it because I know he's a integral piece of the Bills' offense right now. Well, you know what I mean? Like I feel like if he keeps performing at the, the, way, the, the rate he is, I don't see a way that he couldn't get a contract extension like well, that. He's up there with he was the top. Yeah, top of, three he had, nine t- he had nine touchdowns. Yeah, top ten is one of the better ones. I think it's interesting for the Bills because it's you know you can't sign everyone, and if he wants that contract, he's not going to get it in Buffalo. 
And even if I think he wants to get, like, the Hunter Henry, he had that kind of production, which is about 500 yards, 50 catches, 9 touchdowns. That was close to what Henry produced. And Henry got, I believe, four years, $50 million, so a 12.5 annual, annual like salary. So I don't, I, But I don't think the, I think that's also too rich for the Bills. I think the Bills would preferably have him in the 8-9 to nine range. Um, again, also with the contract they gave O.J. Howard, the one-year $3.5 million is looking very good today as well. So Yeah. Well, well, I think O.J. Howard and Dawson Knox will be a great combo. I'm excited for that. A little off note, but... And think about this. I, I believe O.J. Howard and, and Joku, they have very similar stats. Mm-hmm. Like, their stat line is very similar. Um, I know O.J. Howard might have gotten a little... He had that Achilles tear. That's plus, what I was about to plus say. Plus the Bucks got Gronkowski, and mm-hmm. we all know that's Tom Brady's buddy. Yeah. But even still, for him to get $3.5 million and, and Joku to get over $14 million, it's like... That's another value pick for yeah. the Bills. Well, it's also with the Knox's contract, you can also say he could probably get $14 million on the open market, but if you want to go play for the Jacksonville Jaguars, Christian go, Kirk, go go right ahead. But I think I think he's one of those guys that's a locker room guy, likes playing with Josh Allen. Josh Allen is an elite quarterback. I think people take less money to be a part of this locker room, this court, this chance for a Super Bowl, and to play with Josh Allen. So I think he would take less. And that, yeah, look what Milano did. He took less to yeah. stay with the Bills. Uh, why wouldn't you? It's it's an organization on the rise, and they're close to the top right now. They just they have all the pieces. They just need to execute, and they need that that kind of mentality. Like I want to play. I don't. I'm not here for the money. I just want to play and win. Absolutely. And you got a pass first offense with one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Yeah. So and now you've got Von Miller on a number top three ranked defense most of the time. So yeah, I, which I think last year might have been fraudulent, I, but that's besides the point. I just think they're gonna get. He's gonna produce because. With all the Gabe Davis possibly breaking out, better offense line means better running game. I just think, also, he's an important part of this offense. He's, he's the over-the-middle threat. And we saw in that Chiefs game, the reason why Gabriel Davis really broke out is, yes, they were trying to take away Diggs, but they also game plan to take away Knox in the middle of the field. And they said, we're going to take Knox away your middle got tight end. They're going to take away your number one receiver. Someone else is going to beat you. And obviously, Gabe Davis stepped up. But he's going to, Dawson Knox is underrated because he opens up for other guys, he opens up for Jameson Crowder to be one-on-one with a safety or linebacker. He's going to open up for Gabe, da- Gabe Davis to do what he did in that AFC Championship game, and he's going to open. He's actually help Stephon Diggs as well because they, they had to might even key on Knox, and also he was a good red zone threat as well. Right. I mean, he grabbed a pass that wasn't even meant to be caught. He plucked it out of the air. You know, what mm-hmm. I mean, that Patriots game. And he has and, and trick plays. He could th- he could throw it a little bit. With yeah, with the, the broken, broken hand. hand, it was unreal, unreal. And he could down wings like a big boy. That's yep. all I have to say. He's just uh, if. Dawson Knox stays consistent and has another good consistent year. He's going to get paid. We could definitely see and, a contract extension And like hopefully that. it's by the Bills and not some other organization. Oh, I'm for sure hoping it's by the Bills because now I've got two of his jerseys. But You're invested at this point. Yeah, I'm, I'm invested. i I, I got to say, I, I love the guy. Great energy, great player. You know, he had a breakout season. I'm just excited to see his future. No matter what team, I'm hoping it's here. But Dawson Knox, we wish you the best, buddy. That is going to do it for our Bills topic. We'll be right back with more of the Buffalonian Podcast after this. Here at the Buffalonian Podcast, we are looking for sponsorships to take our podcast to the next level. If you are interested, feel free to message us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter with any inquiries. Thank you for listening, and enjoy the rest of the show. We are back with more of the Buffalonian Podcast, and we're moving on to talk about some Buffalo Sabres news. And I think the most notable thing coming from our players right now is that Dylan Cousins had an absolute stellar performance at the World Championships. 
Yeah, he definitely did. He had seven goals for 13 points in 10 games. He was top five in both points and goals, and he had a tremendous tournament. He scored the first goal of the gold medal game against Finland. Fortunately, they lost in overtime off some phantom calls and little questionable calls by the referees. But Way to represent. Way to represent Buffalo and the Sabres. I, I mean, it was just... It's nice to see, as I've said previously, talking about being in the the world the world championships. It's just nice to see our players representing well. You know, it, it puts us on a national or a gives worldwide it, gives, scale, not just us, a national scale. Yeah, it gives us hope. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and well, we can't forget that our buddy John Hayden uh, had a secondary assist in the final game for the USA. John, so, so I duct taped your name on the back of my Jack Eichel number fifteen jersey. So he had a grand total of one point in ten games, but. No, I think it's great to see. Uh, Cousins obviously was playing wing uh, for the tournament, which a lot of people are debating whether you should be a winger or a center, and I think it's great that he can play both. I think versatility is really important, and right now I would say that the Sabres need him to play center more than wing, but if all of a sudden they have you know, a lot of centers that, that feel comfortable that moving him to wing is the best solution, I think it's great that he can play both. Yeah, Any, Anywhere he can fit, because honestly the Sabres just need players yeah. in general. And so, versatility is nice. Like exactly. That, yeah. So anywhere you can fit, I'm all all for it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I, and you just feel like he's going to break out this year. You feel like he's going to be the Tage Thompson. Let's hope. Player. Yeah. He, he had a nice season, 38 points in 79 games. I know people were a little bit disappointed with the point total that he was only about a 40-point centerman, but I think he was one of the better players on the team. His underlying metrics were pretty good. Obviously, I've been keep, I've been beating home the point that he was really good in transition and zone exits and zone entries. Uh, and honestly, it's one of those situations where he's a year away from restricted free agency, and you gotta think maybe you know they see the Sabres see his performance and they see his transition numbers and they think oh, the points haven't come yet, but they will. And do they take a chance now to get another cheap uh, contract and try and extend him, maybe give him a five year? $5 million extension and just take a gamble and say, you know what, we're going to gamble. We trust this player. He's good in our locker room. He can do a lot of things for us. We feel like he's going to continue to develop and grow into that mature center role for our, our team. Use some of that cap space that we have, the 40, $43 million. Well, it wouldn't affect that. It would affect next year's because technically he's on the book for... You, you really think we're not going to have another like $30, 40000000 million next year? No, yeah. I'm, I'm saying, yeah, but you're, you're right. I'm just saying. I think the Sabres are pretty built the way they are right now. And if he has a breakout like Tage Thompson, there's no excuse not to to have him around any well, longer. Obviously if you break, I just think if he breaks out, he's going to be costing the Sabres at least $6 million. And for possibly, and, and, and probably on a bridge deal. So if he breaks out, he could be two for six. But if you take the gamble right now, you can maybe get him for five by five. Now, yeah. You know what I mean? So I think he might be worth the gamble to take because I, I think he does a lot of great stuff that's not on the box score without the point total, and I, th- I think his points will come as, you know, he continues to grow and, and develop. No, absolutely. absolutely. And, and have better players around him as well, I think. That team in general, just yeah. around him, once, you know what I mean? Once, like, once there's better players on his wings, I think his point production will increase, and then once he learns with his transition skills, you know, hey, what do I need to do once I get to, past the blue line into the offensive zone? I think he's going to be one of those players that's going to be really great for the Sabres in the future. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I mean, maybe maybe we uh, had to explore that a little bit and how maybe we can get a second-line center or even a first-line center, just a top-six forward that can pair with Cousins and make him a better player and just make this team more well-rounded. And do you guys believe maybe that approaches through a trade or free agency? Like, how how you feel about that? 
Well, as you said, they, the Sabres have $43 million in cap space, so obviously they could throw a crap ton of money at people. Um, I just don't like that option for them through free agency because I don't think the free agent class is all that great. I think the only person that I would consider maybe throwing like a two-year $11 million deal would be like Chris Letang, just because he's a veteran right-shot defenseman, proved in the postseason for the Penguins that he still has it. Obviously, he already has his three cups, so maybe he just wants to make a bunch of money. So you throw your cap space at him for two years because you don't need to sign anyone for for another two years, and you have that right shot defenseman to pair with Owen Power. Yeah. But I I I think for me the mindset should be free agency is for the depth pieces for this team. You know, you could get a Brain Hobie who's a veteran goaltender to pair with Uka Pekalukunen, who's an upgrade on Craig Anderson. Big upgrade on Craig Anderson. Yeah, I think I think those are. The guys like Brain Holpe are the, the the people that the Sabres should target. Or like P.K. Subban. I know he's not great, but he's a right-shot D-man. Veteran, can play a little bit still. He'd probably take a one-year deal. Yeah. I mean, one-year, $5 million. I mean, you're paying him $5 million. you, you got to hit the cap floor but, anyway. But you have the cap space. That's what, I think they should use their cap space to offer short one- or two-year deals to some veterans that might not come to Buffalo without the big money. But I think for a trade market, I think a trade market would be used to make a significant move. You know, you look at their assets, they have three first round picks this year. They have an extra second round pick uh, coming up. They have, you know, roster players in Casey Middlestat and Victor Olison, who I think are tradable, that have some value. Also, they have prospects like Ryan Johnson and Eric Portillo, who are coming into the last year in UFA, and you don't even know if you're going to be able to you know, keep their rights, so they have some value to be moved. So I think those assets could be moved for an, a top six center. You know, I think when you look at the spine for the Sabres right now, Thompson, Cousins, and Krebs, that's that's all great, but I think having Thompson, someone like Pierre-Luc Dubois, who's a absolute beast for the Jets, and then Cousins, and then you could shift Krebs to wing. I think that, that spine is better than the spine the Sabres currently have. So that would be a championship-level spine, in my opinion. You don't want... Right now, the Sabres are just kind of... Their centers are just kind of meh. They're, yeah. They're young. Yeah, I know you're talking about like these these young players. We could we could look at the free agents, the big fish free agents. Like, Johnny Hockey's going to be available. Philip For- Forsberg's going to be available. Like, the Sabres, do they flex their cap space and sign one of them? I mean, we look in the past when they've signed the top free agents. You know, Kyle Poso, hard to believe, he was the top free agent in his class in 2016. That's one of the worst free agent classes. I know the mind. big thing was that is Steven Stamkos going to become available and come to Buffalo. But hey, he took an he took a interview or he he visited Buffalo. Yeah, uh, we got yeah. they got a visit. But you know, and then Taylor Hall, that was another big fish agent that we signed, and we thought he was going to put us over the top, pairing him with Eichel. And you know, a year later, neither of them are on the team. So do we take a swing at Goudreau, who had a career year, had over forty goals, had over a hundred points? Like, is he going to want to come here just for the money because he know he can make it? But, like, he's not going to want to sign here for two, three years. He's going to want that seven-year deal. I think that's the problem. This is where I get with, like, the big fish of Latang, I think, would take a two-year, you know, yeah, short-term. Yeah, veteran older guy. Short, he's, like, what, 36? Yeah, short-term, a lot of money. I think Goudreau and Philip Forsberg want to get paid, and they want to get paid for long, the long term. Yeah. So it's different from Taylor Hall. Taylor Hall was a one-year deal. Like if, they, if Johnny Hockey was like, I'll take one-year 11 million, I mean, think the Sabres would be like, oh, yeah, we'll do that. 100%. Um, I'd do that. But, I mean, he'd probably be like, I'll take one-year 11 million, but if I, if I don't like it, I want to get traded, I get to, you know, what Taylor Hall did, and he basically picked that he wanted to go to the Bruins, and he handicapped. Um, 
the Sabres into facilitating that trade. Same thing how Claude Drew facilitated the trade from the Flyers to the Panthers. He made he made yeah. off his no trade list, and he could veto anything. The no movement clause. Yeah, um, I know. I think you were we were talking about this uh, off the air. I know you brought this up, and I agree with you. You said it's risky signing guys off career years because we've seen so many times. Oh, <coughs> just kidding. Across pretty much every sport, guys have one years where they just go absolutely off. And then they sign this big lucrative deal, and then they just do not live up to it. Like, well, it's like Drew Stafford. Drew Stafford scored forty goals one year, but he was like the one month I believe in March he like shot like thirty percent. Yeah, you know, it was just like insane shooting luck. So like it is risky, and then like we said, they're not going to want short term deals. They want those long term deals. And I think if Sabres can get him for one to three years, go for it. Like we're building team on the rise. But if it's seven years, like no, I'm I, not signing up for that. Yeah, and the Sabres have to understand their long-term cap situation. There, Yeah, there will be a time where we're going to need that cap space. Like, mm-hmm. Quinn will need a contract, Paterka, we talked about Cousins, like, all that stuff. Again, they, if they want to come for one or two years, fine, absolutely, but they, as we've been saying, they've had career years, they want to get as much money and as long-term stability as possible, because they might never have another year like they just had, so. Exactly. I want to move into some... Player grades, if that's okay with you guys. Let's start with Alex Tuck, the new addition to the Sabres this year. Dom, what, what would you what would you give him? I give him an A. I thought he'd I'd have to agree with that. I 100%. think so. Mm-hmm. I think we've talked, you know, talking about how they could get a steal of Cousins' contract. Uh, Tuck is signed for another four years at under five million dollars. I think that's why when we talk about Cousins and his extension, you want another kind of contract like that of a very good player that is very cheap, so you don't have to overpay like you had with. You have some guys like Skinner and Oposo that are paid way more than they should. Uh, he played great this year. He had, you know, 38 points uh, this season in 50 games. So he was on pace for about a 62 points season. His underlying metrics were the best on the team, and he only played 52 games. I mean, 50 games, excuse me. So think of him in a full 82 game season. What his all his metrics would have looked like would have been probably insane. He was definitely the best player on the team for those 50 games. And he made that Skinner Thompson tuck line really go, and they really those two players really kind of a little bit struggled a little bit without him. So he's kind of was the the glue to keep them together. I know at least when when we first made that Eichel trade and we got Alex Tuck back, my initial thought was like, okay, you know, you got a nice middle six forward. You know, he's going to be serviceable. He's not that expensive, and he's he's going to be he's going to be decent. You know, like he'll get you 40, 50 points a year. I'm so glad he, he proved me wrong. Like, he showed that he's a top-line player, and he showed that he can drive a line, and he solidified me, he showed, spot as a leader. He showed me that he could be a captain of this team. Yeah. So, he wants to be here. He's somewhat local from Syracuse. Um, I just think, overall, he's really gelled well with this organization. I think going into the future, that's a great guy to have, and 100% I'm giving him an A. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, A for me, too. I, I agree with that. I, he solidified his spot as a leader on the team, and I think he will be the captain next season. And his stats don't lie. I mean, he came into the season and really performed well. Um, yeah, he, gets, he had a good season, and he's only 26, so he kind of fits with the core age right. as well. Right, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's not too old, where he can still grow with the team. Yeah, you feel will. like he's like been around for so you feel like he's like 30 years old, but really, I mean, it's kind of surprising to see how young he is at only 26. Yeah, and he's still playing great. So I, He's I, just I, we, entering his prime. Yeah, mm-hmm. we've got a long time with Alex Tuck if we keep, we keep him around. So... Next, 
I mean, I'm going to start out with this one. Tage, or Mike, you can start out with this one. I think, Tage I think this is a pretty consensus one. Yeah. An A. Yeah, I'm giving absolutely. him actually an A+. I, I would give him an A+, the breakout season he's had. Honestly, like, what do we... Going into the season, Thompson's best year, did he even hit 30 points? No. no yeah. So, that. like, we're thinking maybe he hits 30 points. Yeah, I believe he had 35 career points in, like, 200 games. So. Yeah, like, there's, like, no expectations for him. The man exploded this year, showed that the transition to center was actually good. He worked on his release, and that just made him so much more deadly when taking shots. Um, I just think overall, yeah, A-plus. Like, no one saw this coming. Yeah, I think... He was arguably, the last couple seasons, possibly the worst NHL player. You can make a case. Like, his underlying metrics were terrible, um, and he just wasn't very good. And coming this year, you heard all the whispers, oh, he looks really good in training camp. The move to center was a good move. But we They heard, say that about players every year. They say that about players every year, and we heard that about him last, the previous year. Cause, I think well, they with, said that about with, uh, A.J. Epinesa and the Bills, and how geez. did he do? Yeah. yeah but with Taylor, Got his signature, though, so I can't really trash talk him. But Yeah, but... You know, last year was Taylor Hall, Jack Eichel, and oh, it's Tate Thompson playing on their wing, and he's really gonna outdo his contract, and he was terrible. So I, I didn't believe any of the talk about him, but I was very wrong. And he had a, you know, he had a very good year, and obviously he had a great shooting percentage. That's likely to probably go down, even though he has a great shot. But you know, as I said before, I think he has holes in his game that he can work on, like in the in the dot for the faceoffs and in the, his own defensive zone, because it was his first. Uh, professional season in the NHL playing full-time center. So I think even if his goal total drops because his shooting percentage drops, I think his overall value will stay in that one, you know, a top 20 center because I think he's going to learn how to play better in his own zone and be a more effective player. Yeah, no, for sure. I, w- I would definitely, definitely go A-plus for, for Tage Thompson, which brings us to our final, final grade for this episode Party in the motherfucking USA, Jeff Skinner. You go. You start this one, buddy. I give him a B plus. A B. Wow. Wow. I'm giving him an A. I'm giving him well, an A plus. I, I I don't know. I I look at it this way: as you know, we make the point he's overpaid. He is moving into the point where he is earning that money. But I think his contract and how much he's getting paid versus how much he produces is still, still not to, yeah, not I not know. not up to par for me. Here's yet, the thing: but. he tied a career high in points. For, like, the, what, the fourth time in his career? He's at 63. Yeah. Like, he showed that he could be that top-line player. Like, he could have easily just been like, you know what, I'm making $9 million a year, and the coach before me didn't believe in me, buried me in this lineup. Like, I've shown in the past I can score, I could be an all-star. This team's kind of just bottom of the league. I don't have to really do anything, you know, I just get my paycheck and half it the way. Yeah. Now they've got he, the fire. He needed to prove everybody, like, hey, I'm still a top-line threat. I'm still a scorer. And he showed that, and I think that's really good to see. Like, yeah, I, it's it's obvious he's overpaid. Like, that was the only way he was staying, though. That was the only way we were going to keep him well, overpaying him. he's incredibly streaky, so I doubt, I would sincerely doubt he pulls up another next season, scores 33 goals and has 63 points. He might decrease a little bit like Thompson, but, I mean, last, the year before, he had 14 total points in 53 games. He was a 25-point player, making $9 million. It was kind of at the point where maybe you had to look at the, the bio, and the buyout was just ugly of how many years he has left on that contract. Hey, yeah. we're entering the final year of Cody Hodgson's buyout. I know we're making. We still have Airhoffs until twenty seven. Yeah, we're making. I know those buyouts go on for a very long time. So yeah, and I, you feel the financial. Yeah, hey, Ricky DiPietro, come on. Well, it got it got to that range for Skinner because he was so bad. But again, thirty three goals, sixty three points, was second on the team behind Thompson. 
And again, just had a very good bounce back Skinner year. Uh, hopefully he can keep it going. My one thing with Skinner, though, is I feel like he's not going to get the power play time he did this year. I think he's going to get kicked off for Jack Quinn. So Maybe I think he's he, a second unit guy. Yeah, I think he's he's also not he's also not like a great power play guy in the first place. You know, he kind of yeah. plays that bumper position of him and Tuck kind of rotate. So he's not great in the power play. So it's not going to be. I don't know if it will be a huge loss to his production, but it might hurt. But again, he's streaky. But this year he he went from all the way down to up again. So good for him. I think he gets an A plus because it definitely beat my expectation because I thought he might have been washed. But that yeah. was mostly the coach. I think honestly. One of the main things I noticed about him was that how much he was smiling on the ice. Like he's having he, fun. He's just having fun out there, enjoying the game. And like it seemed like when Kruger was the coach, they never talked on the bench. They always had their heads down and were just like they just look so depressed. Yeah. With Granado, you know, they have the camaraderie. Think about when Malcolm Subban is singing the national anthem. Right. They're, yeah, all, they're laughing, all laughing. They're all having smiling, a great time. Yeah. You know. Listen, Jeff Skinner did not buy into the principles. Whatever those principles are for Ralph Kruger, he did not buy into. So that's why he had to get. Diminished to a fourth line role, yeah, well, and a healthy scratch. He was healthy scratched last year a little bit. Yeah, well, I'm glad Ralph Kruger's gone because that was that was rock bottom in my opinion. Yeah, that was rough, very rough. All right, we will be back with more of the Buffalonian podcast right after this. The Combine trailer is live now. Check it out on our YouTube at the Buffalonian Podcast or on our Instagram and Facebook as well. It'll be live for your viewing, and be ready for the official Combine broadcast to come at you this summer. Thank you for listening, and enjoy the rest of the show. We are back with the Buffalonian Podcast, and we are going to talk about the heartbreak that happened in Rochester uh, this past week. Uh, our Rochester Amherst unfortunately get swept by the Laval Rocket, losing at home in Rochester in Triple overtime, losing six to five. I was in attendance, and I gotta say it was an absolute electric atmosphere. Did you want the game to be over at one point with triple OT? I, I like, were you hoping it would end? Yes, I'm gonna be. You know, I'm an honest guy. At one point, I was like, "Man, this is the longest game I've ever witnessed in hockey." This is my. It was my first ever experience of playoff hockey because obviously the Sabers. You know, the Sabers were the Sabers. I was too young for one. They made their playoff <laughs> all, experiences. All of us were. Uh, I've never been to you know either school Canisius or Grand Island. Never been to one of their games before in playoff hockey aspect. So uh, the Amex was the first game, and it was a heck of a first game. They had a great effort, but uh, they John Sebastian Day, the ex Saber in Amherst, uh JSD scores the winner. Um, just an incredibly tough moment for a team that was losing four two going to the third period, and. You know, they battled all the way back. They scored three goals. Brett Murray was playing like a beast. He had two goals in the third period, 5-4. And, you know, with about a minute 58 to go, he Brett Murray commits a slashy penalty, and that's just a complete no-no. You know, you can't... you can't Penalties in the last two minutes when you're up one so that the team has a six-on-four advantage is just... I mean, you're just dying to give up a goal at that situation. Yeah, you're asking for it. And then Brandon Davidson, the first, like, couple plays of the... Uh, Third overtime, shoots it over the glass for a delay game, and I can guarantee this. Uh, a delay game penalty in overtime is also a guaranteed goal. That's kind of reminiscent of uh, what happened to Brian Campbell in Carolina. He got that delay game penalty, and then look what happened. Listen, delay game penalties in overtime and taking pe- stupid penalties of two minutes to go up one is just, 
I mean, it just kills you. It just kills you. And they were, they got dominated, shot and probably quality. So, you know, Laval is a really good team. They were better than the Amherst, but the Amherst kept fighting and they just kind of shot themselves in the foot at the end to, you know, unfortunately end their season. But, you know, looking back at this run as a whole, when we, you know, first started this podcast, we just all thought they weren't going to make the playoffs. Yeah, you know, we said they needed a miracle. Yeah. And, and here they were. Pretty miraculous. I Triple mean, OT. They not only somehow miraculously make the playoffs, they sweep Belleville uh, in the play-in 2-0, and then they take out the one seed in five, a thrilling fifth game. And then, unfortunately, you know, their season ends to the hands of Laval in Triple OT. No, you got to give them credit. Yeah, like, what a no way one, to go out with a bang. No one saw this coming. They showed resilience, and that's just great for an organization that's been so deprived of good hockey between the Sabres, like, that just gives us hope as Sabres fans. Well, I think I think we said this, too, as, like, we they needed the miracle that it'd be nice for them to get in and have some playoff experience. You know, they're actually not going to get with the Sabres, but having that big game experience will come in handy when you get to the big leads and stuff, and then when you get to the maybe, hopefully, in the future, the Sabres either make the playoffs or in that mix at the end, those pressure-packed games, you have experience of playing in a very high level in the AHL, of playing in those games where every play matters, and... It showed the one, yeah one 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 slashing penalty one shot over the glass for a delay game it, it cost you it cost you in this in big games no they're gonna they're gonna learn from that and then uh like like you just said it's gonna translate to the NHL I mean hockey's hockey playoff hockey is completely different monster than regular season so those young guys getting that experience they can bring it up to Buffalo and by the time the Sabers are in the playoffs they'll have had those uh runs like a deep run and they'll know how to get there and. How to keep it going? Well, you know, you grow the beard out in playoff hockey, you become. It's not a boys' league anymore, it's a men's league. Exactly. You, know, you gotta come up, you, it's gonna be physical, it's gonna be tough, every play matters, and one one mistake's gonna cost you. But it was a great run. Let's let's dive into some winners and losers from from the playoff run. Um, Joe, do you have any? Honestly, JJ Paterka was a big one for me. He had 12 points in 10 games and just really, it, it proves that he is ready to, to move up and take Henestros' spot uh, on the on the roster. We just move out of the way, Vinny. You're not wanted or needed anymore. We've got the big boys coming up from the Amherst. Yeah, for me, the winner, it, this is going to be kind of an oddball, I think, but Aaron Dell, I think he was the winner. Like, when he came up to the Sabres, he didn't play very well, and then he took out uh, Drake Batherson, in uh, the Ottawa game, and he missed a significant amount of time. But he played very well, and I think goaltending is very important. Having a hot goaltender is maybe the most important thing to a playoff run because you have a cold goaltender, the team is going to be cold. And if you have a hot goaltender, you're going to go far. Absolutely. Jacob Markstrom with the Flames. you know, He, and he flamed just, out. And, oh, a good one. And just jerking <laughs> with the Rangers, so... Uh, it definitely shows. Uh, my winner, so obviously Patrick is a big winner. I think Krebs really played really well. Uh, had 11 points in 10 games, played center. It's very funny. He did not score. All 11 of his points were assists. And obviously we're going to talk about Jack Quinn losers aspect, but it's amazing to me in 10 games, neither one of those players recorded a goal. Mm-hmm. And it's it's just stunning to me how far the Amherst went in this playoffs with that stat being the case. Well, here's, I think, Jack Quinn, yeah, that's a, that's kind of bad because he's supposed kind to be, of. He's supposed to be that sniper goal scorer. You know, he's, I would compare to, like, a Jeff Skinner. Exactly. His main thing is to score. Krebs doesn't concern me so much because, from what I watched from him, he always tried to make the play first, make the pass. He tries to set everybody up rather than taking the shot for himself. 
it's still concerning, yes, but I think his main focus so far in his career has been trying to set others up. No, he was really good. I think, underratedly, Mark Janikowski and Artur Rustalainen, I think they were very strong in this playoff run, and they're kind of fringe NHLers. I think Janikowski might be a, a guy that could possibly get that fourth-line center role if he can you know, get him gone. Obviously, Rustalainen, there was rumors that he was going to go back to Finland and play. He wants to come back, apparently. Um, yeah, apparently this has like, regenerated his uh, interest in the Sabres, but... Again, I think those are two great guys um, to bring back. Uh, even if they're not playing in the NHL level, I think they're great in the AHL, and they could really mentor the next wave of uh, great Sabres players as they yeah. as they did this year with Quinn and uh, Paterka. Uh, losers, obviously, I think the big one for all of us is Jack Quinn. No goals, only two points in ten games. You know, I think we had the maybe opinion that he was hurt. He wasn't hurt, so I think that's a little... I, I would say concerning, but... His overall body of work, I think... Especially for the season he had. Yeah, especially how he had a little bit of a leg problem. He had mono at one point, so um, hopefully he becomes a little bit more durable. Um, but he had a, a tough playoff run. I thought, though, some some watching him, that he actually had a very active uh, game. In Game 3, he had eight shots on goal. You know, he had plenty of opportunities to score, just kind of, you know, a little unlucky hot goaltender in uh, Kane Primo. So... Um, though that's probably the biggest losers. I think minor losers. I've seen. I think Brett Murray and Davidson are just losers because I mean they just cost the game. I mean, what what do you think, Joe? Would you consider those two to be losers? Oh yeah, absolutely. Especially the Jack Quinn take you had. I mean, it's just it's evident like he didn't perform as well as we'd hoped, you know. But I, I you got to give him time. I feel like he. I mean, we were at the first, his debut game, that Sabers game, were we not? Yeah, he was. The yeah, Blues we were at game. his NHL debut. Debut. So I mean. Um, I think you're just going to have to give him some time and just see what happens. But, I mean, yes, was I disappointed for sure. Yeah, and obviously the two dumb penalties by Murray and Davidson kind of on the run. A person that I was a little bit disappointed in is Casey Fitzgerald. I know you're high on him because he's quote-unquote gritty. Yeah. Um, but I think he just showed that he's probably gritty no- player. <laughs> nothing more than probably a seventh defenseman or a top pair in the AHL, which is fine. You need those guys. If there's injuries or something, you know, he can come yeah. in. Um, he had a tough run. I think you guys are forgetting one one key guy, and that's Yuko Pekalukanen, because he's you know being projected to be our franchise goaltender, and he missed this entire run due to injury. I think that's a little concerning because he's not going to get that experience of being in a playoff run and playing in playoff games that I think is just very important. Yeah, um, durability has been a problem for him. The double hip surgery and now the hammy problem that he was having. Yeah. I know they were saying that if there was a game four, he probably would have started that game. Um, but even just playing in a few playoff games, I think would have helped compared to got, missing at all. He got hurt in the game that we played and yep. we watched too. Same thing with Malcolm Subban. So I guess we were just the injury jinx. Yeah, I apologize we for were that. At the every game jinx. Yeah. What are you talking about? We went to every Sabres game we went or every Sabres game we went to. They lost. Yeah. So obviously, well, as we wrap it up, let's you know take look at the roster. What kind of what players do you think are going to make that jump to be on the big league roster next year, and what players do you think might be added to, you know, replace them to an ex- the players moving up to keep Rochester good? Yeah. I would say. Um. No, I think I think for starters, like obviously Samuelson and Krebs, they just got sent down for the playoffs. They're going to be back. Mm-hmm. I think Paterka and Quinn will be full full time NHLers. Fitzgerald's going to be that fringe guy. I think he might start in Roch, but could call up at some point. Um, I like, I honestly, I never thought about that Jankowski take. I kind of like that one. Uh, I don't know if he signed. No, he's a UFA. Yeah, I I think he'd come back, if that, 
he'd yeah. probably come back for less. Um, I I haven't really explored some of those fringe free agents, like the guys who kind of bounce up and down or like have been in the minors for a while. I haven't really explored that. I have to. I have a I have a long off season to do that. But yes, I think you do. I think uh, GMKA there and Jason Carmanos, they're gonna find guys. You know, it seems like every year during free agency you get a notification. The Sabres signed... Like, when we signed JSD, it was like, who is this yeah. guy? And yeah. he turned out to be pretty pretty solid minor league player. Yeah, so. they're going to find, like, solid vets. Obviously, Jankowski, maybe Roost Lyon makes a run. Maybe Brett Murray makes a run. Maybe even Sh- people, especially maybe even Sean Malone, uh, makes a run at the roster spot. But, again, I think those are the... I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head with those guys. I think you're going to see guys like Josh Bloom, maybe, I mean, Isaac Rosen just signed Nadeau today. signed, too. Yeah, uh, that Russian Kisikov. Kisikov, thank you. And, you know, maybe you see guys... Uh, and then towards the end of the year, maybe you'll get, like, a Portillo or a Levi. Yeah, and also there's also the opportunity for possibly uh, guys that are going to be UFAs from the draft picks that are going to be UFAs from other teams that are going to expire this summer that they could also sign and have... Uh, in the AHL as well. So yeah. definitely, I don't know if they're going to have as much talent, maybe not as much fun to watch next year, but I trust, and as you said, Kermanis and Adams to at least have a serviceable roster for Rochester. Yeah. No, absolutely. I 100% agree with you guys. But that's going to do it for the Rochester Amherst season and their segment on our podcast. <laughs> so we'll be right back after this. Here at the Buffalonian Podcast, we are looking for sponsorships to take our podcast to the next level. If you are at all interested, feel free to message us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram for any inquiries. Thank you for listening, and enjoy the rest of the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Rundown. Uh, I'll be taking you on this journey this week. I'm Joe Kelly, and we're going to get right into it with some Bandits talk. The, the Colorado Mammoth take down the San Diego Seals 15-13 to in Game 3 to make the NLL Finals for the first time in 16 years. Uh, the team they played in that 2006 final was the Buffalo Bandits, funny enough, and they won 16-9, back when it was a winner-take-all format, which they've aged away from. Uh, this will be the Bandits' 10th trip to the final, tied with the Halifax Thunderbirds for most all-time, and have a record of 4-5. and five. Uh, This will be the Colorado Mammoth's 5th trip to the final, hosting a 2-2 two two record, and uh, the best of three format starts June 4th in Buffalo at 7.30, then June 11th in Colorado at 9 o'clock p.m., and if at all necessary, Game 3 will be back in Buffalo June 18th at 7.30. The Bandits had the best record in the league at 14-4, and and Colorado only had a 10-8 and record. You know, so the Bandits definitely are, they had the better performance in the regular season. Uh, Colorado beat Buffalo 15-14 to in their only meeting in Colorado. So we're hoping for the home field advantage in that first game to uh, tip the scale in our direction a little bit better than the, the last meeting. Uh, Colorado, since relocating to Colorado in 2002, has an 11-8 edge in series. So the Bandits are looking for their first championship since 08 in their uh, first and non-winner-take-all matchups. The 14-year championship drought is the longest drought in franchise history, and uh, the Bandits have been close with losses to Calgary in 2019 and Saskatchewan in 2016 by 2-0 sweep. So, everyone say it with me now. Let's go, Bandits! So now we're going into some Bison's talk, and 
Just gotta say, what a series for the Buffalo Bisons. They take the series on the road versus an excellent Columbus Clipper team, 5-1. to one. The only loss in the series was a walk-off 4-3 loss in, in on the second game of the Saturday doubleheader. So the doubleheader was split, but in actual nine-inning games, your Bisons won all four. After this dominant series, the Bisons sit at 29-18, but are still one and a half games back off Rochester for the division lead. The Bisons play a six-game series in Rochester this week, and uh, the Bisons took game one of the heavyweight fight with a 7-5 win to now trail Rochester by a mere half a game. They're almost there. Bisons jumped out quickly to a 7-0 lead and held it for a win and were led by a nine-hole hitter, that being Cullen Large, leading the offensive attack with three hits, one homer, and drove in two runs. The game of the series versus Columbus was Tuesday's opening game where the Bisons picked out a 1-0 win in a pitching duel, where ace Casey Lawrence pitched five and two-thirds shutout innings and Cullen Large's fifth inning home run is all the Bisons needed to take game one in the series. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is going to do it for my rundown for this week. We'll be right back with some trivia right after this. Here at the Buffalonian Podcast, we are looking for sponsorships to take our podcast to the next level. If you are at all interested, feel free to message us on our Instagram, Twitter, Facebook for all inquiries. Thank you for listening, and enjoy the rest of the show. Alright guys, it's that time of the show. Trivia time. Now, I know this is your guys' favorite time of the show. You guys are really eager, right? Very. Trying to go 3 for 3, that that push for greatness. Okay. (laughs) So... We'll start out with the Bills. Uh, we know they've had some some recent success right now. Uh, overall, how many playoff appearances do they have? Like, recent or no, in overall, history? In their entire franchise. In the NFL. I'm like, playoff ga- every playoff game counts or just playoff appearances? I'm going to say 20. I'll say 23. You're close. Who's closer? You said 20? I did. Yeah, he's closer. 18. No. 16. Now we're just tossing out numbers. No. Yeah. So overall, <laughs> it's 21. Oh, NFL we're is right in between. So you're oh, both pretty close. Okay. They had four in their AFL days. The AFL. Back in the 60s. Those are old school Jack football. Kemp. Yeah. Back when they won league championships. It's yeah. coming up this year. Yeah, buddy. All right. Buffalo Sabres, uh, we've had our fair share of great players. But how many players, not builders, players, played for the Sabres or in the Hall of Fame? Players played for the Sabres that are in the Hall of Fame. Oh, man. I'm going to say 12. Ooh, that's pretty close. 11. There you go. Oh, oh my oh. God. I was going to say 10, but then... Is Tom Barrasso in the Hall of Fame? Tom Barrasso? I do not see him on this I, list. Nah, I see. I Andrew Chuck, Howard Chuck, Dick Duff, no, Tim Horton, Grant Fuhr, Housley, Clark Schultz, Lafontaine, Pero, Doug Gilmore, and Hoshik. Man, I, yeah, that's that's a tough one. Yeah, but no one any recent. No one. Well, McGillney could possibly get in. He's the only one that's kind of the fringe. Yeah. Saber. Okay, this one I don't think you're gonna know, so I'll just say, so. Before the Bandits played in the NLL, the National Lacrosse League, they played in the Major Indoor Lacrosse League. 
Okay. How many seasons did they play in that prior league? Two. No. Eight. No. How close? You're two years off. Six. Ten. Six. Damn, I went oh. for... 92 to 97. This is, this is what it feels like Six to be years. Joe. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, Joe won today. Yeah. Like two and one. You know, I, I, you shake you on it. You yeah, can't you see it, but I, I'm We had a handshake. Yep. Sportsmanship is key, everyone. Yep. Sportsmanship is key. All right. Well, that's going to wrap up this our 10th episode of the Buffalodian Podcast. We thank you guys very much for listening. And, uh, Dom... How do, you, how do you always end these? Go Bills, baby. And good luck, Josh Allen, in the match. Go Bills. Go Bills.